chapter 10. Father, I pray that you would meet each one of us where we're at in our life, in our journey, in our decisions, in our thinking about you, our thinking about one another, our thinking about our lives, that you would speak to us, God, that you would shine your light on your word by your spirit so that we will be rebuked where we need to be rebuked, corrected where we need to be corrected, instructed where we need to be instructed, challenged and built up where we need to be challenged and built up, that you would have your way with us, Father, in Jesus' precious name, amen. So we come to this chapter 10, and there's some marvelous things in here. And before we get there, I want to just ask you, have you ever been a part of a treaty or a pack. I don't know what kids are doing today, but uh, in the in in packs, you used to. Did you ever have this pinky thing that you did, where you made a pack with your pinky or something? But what's it called, pinky pack? And maybe you have uh, you have friends, but we need to be thinking about what's going on in the chapter in the big picture of Joshua made a treaty, and you're going to see that uh, even though it was a treaty that was made by deception, that he reacted in a certain way to this treaty, and he was an honorable man of integrity in a treaty that came about by the use of deception. But it came about, and maybe you find yourself in a situation where you made a treaty. You were part of a covenant you were part of a relationship, a business, something where you thought you were going forward with another person who had your back. And now you find yourself, hmm, maybe you're being challenged. And Joshua is asked to come and rescue some people who had lied to him. And he not only comes and rescues them, but he makes an all-night march to be at their doorstep, to be their servant. And I was reminded a few years back when I got involved with a, a building in, a, in another town. And I had a partner, and they and I were working hard. We rolled up our sleeves. We were going to turn this building around and make it into a community center. And uh, so there was lots of work involved. And one day, it was um, a day like not unlike today, where it was well below zero. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we heard that some pipes had burst, right? So we, um, he called me, hey, Chris, did you hear some pipes burst? Yes, I'm on my way. I'll meet you there. So we get to the site, and we're working on this. And it's, it's going to take a few hours. We're trying to figure out which we should, we needed Joe is what we needed. Um, but Joe was not there and was not available. But we, he needed to find out which valves to shut off 
and how to fix this thing. And we arrived there about 4 o'clock, right? And we were rolling up our sleeves, and we knew this was going to be quite an extensive project, not only to fix the pipe, but then to clean up the water. And about quarter to 5, he says, well, Chris, I'll see you. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? He goes, oh, dinner's, I got to go eat dinner. It's dinner time. And um, then there, this started to be more of a pattern that different things came up where, uh, yeah, Chris, I got a commitment. And I, w I was challenged in my treaty. <laughs> I was challenged in my relationship. I was challenged in my covenant. Maybe you found yourself sometimes stuck in a, a lease agreement. And or uh, an agreement with somebody, a boss, and they're not holding up their end of the bargain, what are you going to do? How are you going to act? And what can we learn from this chapter? It's interesting, if you look at chapter 9, right in the beginning, it says, Now all the kings of the West, Jordan, heard about these things. They heard about what Joshua and Israelites were doing. In, and in the western foothills along the entire coast of the Great Sea as far as Lebanon. And then it gives the kings, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They came together to make war against Joshua. Then there's a break. Because they pick it right back up in chapter 10, right in the beginning. That this, this group of people, these five different kings, were gathering together to attack Joshua. But just before that happens... It stops and says, break, time out. Somebody made it. Somebody is breaking a covenant. Somebody's being deceptive. It's the Gibeonites. And then the whole chapter is about these Gibeonites who actually live a long ways away, or say they live a long ways away. They bring bread and they bring wineskins, and they, they're moldy by now and they're cracked, and they trick in a way. They deceive. It says it's a ruse. It's deception. They trick these people into making a covenant with them. They trick the Israelites. It says the Israelites, they tested their food. They tested their, their goods. But they didn't pray. They didn't pray. So as you and I move forward, and we're invited into different relationships, different covenants, different treaties, different pacts, we need to bring it before the Lord. So when we come back to chapter 10 then, after Joshua finds out and the people find out they live real close, it picks up the story again, right where it left off before the ruse, right? Before the deception. So chapter 10, now Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and that totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and his king all that he had done to Jericho and that the people of Gideon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed at this. So maybe the Gibeonites deceived that group of kings also. Because that's who they are. They live among these people. Now they're going to go make a pact with these strangers. And apparently they didn't tell them. Because these kings are not happy. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I and all its... Men were good fighters. So if these were good fighters, what are they doing making a treat, peace treaty? Did they recognize that they're good fighters, but they can't fight against Israel's God? Israel fights at a whole different level when they do battle. 
And there's a song out I heard recently. It says, this is how I fight my battles. And it's basically turning it over to God. Whatever you're carrying right now, whatever situation you're in, you can fight that battle on your own. Or you could turn it over to the Lord. But I'm thinking about this, and uh, Judy reminded me this morning that last week we talked about the Gideonite deception. And just thinking about the treaties. Think about the treaties. Think about the treaties that have been not kept just by our nation and the peoples that have been um, scammed and by treaties, all kinds of treaties, back and forth. And a treaty would be a covenant. And it just made me, I mean, just in these moments here, as I was, maybe you watched me, I went over and hugged my wife a couple of times, and I'm thinking about how am I doing in my treaty there? How am I doing in honoring that covenant? Am I anything like Joshua who could get a call in the middle of the night and said, hey, you know what? These kings who I was once a part of, who I deceived, and I went and made a pact with you, now they've decided to come against me. And Joshua said, you know what? You guys made this mess, and I was looking for a way to get rid of you anyway. So now you're out of my hair. You deal with what you did. No, no, no. In the big picture, no mistake is final for those who are learning to trust Christ and for those who are trusting Christ. No mistake is final. And this seems to be a mistake that they made a treaty with these Gibeonites. But no mistake is final. Picking up the story, so Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jamuth, Japai, king of Lachish, and Deber, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it had made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. I mean, this is how you react when somebody deceives you. You attack them. That's the way of the world. So what do you think Joshua was going to do? Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, they took up their positions against Gibeon and attacked it. So verse 6, the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Remember, this isn't next door. This is miles away, somewhere between 15 and 25 miles. But um, in chapter 9, they talked about a three-day journey, but that was when it was leisure. Now we're going to find out that they make an all-night driven hard march. So somewhere... They're marching through the night, and it's, a, it's somewhere between 15 and 20 miles. But here's what happens. It says, The Gibeonites sent word to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal. I'm not sure I would be over it yet. I'm not sure I would be ready for my friend who I just made a treaty with, who continued to break the treaty and didn't show up and didn't carry in their weight. Or somehow, if it was with a lease agreement, and something comes up, and I've heard of horror stories of lease agreements, of different things that come up. But I'm not sure I would be ready if I was Joshua to hear yet from the Gibeonites. And especially to say, hey, you know what? I know we deceived you, but now we're in trouble. Come and rescue us. And come and risk your lives for those who just deceived you. Man, I, it makes me think of a guy hanging on a cross who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. 
And so I have to trust that behind Joshua, behind the Gibeonites, there's a God who has a plan, and He works with you and I's mess-ups. And He works in the midst of our difficulties and our struggles. And so we read on, and it says, The Gibeonites sent to Joshua, Do not abandon your servants. Well, come on. You deceived us. What do you think this relationship is? Do you think this was a reciprocating, give-and-take relationship of honor? But I'm thinking, maybe what you should be thinking, what we should be thinking, they're not dealing with Canaanites. They're dealing with Israelites, and they're dealing with Joshua, who seems to be a man of honor. He seems to be a man of integrity. He seems to be, they must have some insight into who they're dealing with that they would be willing to ask somebody they just deceived. And I don't know if you, you need to remember Christian, if some non-Christian tries to deceive you in some way, shape, or form, they're watching your behavior and you have an opportunity to respond. Not maybe the way you would want to respond, but the way God would have you respond. And just because they act in deceit, just because they act cruel, just because they act mean and rude, does that mean you have to act that way? Or does that give you any right to act that way? Or do you march to a different drummer? Or do you answer to the king of kings? Or do you have um, something other than just your feelings? giving you advice and guidance? Do you have a God like this God? A God of salvation? A God who embraces people? So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army. I don't know what he told them. It doesn't say what Joshua would have told the Israelite people. Come on, guys. Come on. You know that treaty we made last week? Now we have to go honor it. I know, I know. I don't want to go either, but we did make a treaty, and they're expecting us to keep our word. Thank God. Thank God somebody expects us to keep our word. Thank God somebody expects us to be people of integrity. I know God does. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. So maybe some of those best fighting men, I don't know, this is hypothetical, maybe some of the best fighters said, listen, I'm not going. They don't deserve me to go and defend them when they just deceived us and they deceived these other five kings. Let them get what they deserve. That would be pretty much how my pride acts. When I think that I'm above people and I start putting myself and figuring out things, you know what? They don't deserve for me to stoop to help them. And that could have happened as they wrestled with this, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, here's, here, here's again God's grace, God's mercy, God's correctiveness, God's kindness. Joshua, This isn't what God said, but this is what I'm hearing. Joshua, I got this. 
Joshua, go ahead. Joshua, be a man of your word. Joshua, honor your commitment. Joshua, hold to your integrity. Joshua, be like me. The Lord said, don't be afraid of them. So he's going to protect. He's fought one city, okay? Jericho. Then he fought another city, I. Now he's fighting five kings. And thank God he's the one that instead he's saying, you know what, you're going to take the land. Let's take a large section of the land this time. We took Jericho. And God's gracious in saying we took Jericho because God took Jericho. We took I, God took I. Now, Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. Wow, that totally changes. I remember, you know, when the floor's leaking and the pipe's broken and the guy says, listen, I've got to go. It's supper time. And I'm thinking, listen, I've been here since early hours of the morning. I'd like to go have supper. It totally changed it when I said, Lord, I just said, Lord, what can I do? And God said something like this, Chris, don't be afraid. We got this. Chris, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We got this. Because that's the promise, right? I will go before you. You haven't gone this way before. That's what he they've already been told by God. I will send my angel before you. So God reminds him what he told him in the beginning, what he's been telling him all the way back through Moses. Don't be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to stand with you. So instead of going to think thinking about maybe thinking about these people and uh, maybe and maybe I got the story wrong, that Joshua didn't have any issue at all. It doesn't say that he did, but I know he's human, and I know the Israelites. And we've seen them grumble and grumble and grumble and grumble and grumble. And so if you're going to have to go honor a treaty from people who deceived you, and you're going to have to lay down your life, leave your family, go on an all-night march, it could, it could possibly rub you wrong right i think you and i have been rubbed wrong a lot easier right anybody here have a short fuse sometimes anybody here get out of whack sometimes with your pride and especially if you're in a covenant with somebody and you think they're not holding up their end of the bargain hmm me so after an all-night march from gilgal Joshua took them by surprise. Wow, time really flies. But I wanted to take a minute because I was reminded, I was reminded by this little phrase, an all-night march. And you'll see in the text that it was a march uphill. Maybe the entire way, but certainly gradually uphill at night. And I don't think they had generators with big spotlights. Okay? But I was thinking about other nights. And maybe you've had some nights like this. Were, were those soldiers wrestling? 
or because God reminded Joshua, Joshua, do not be afraid. They can't stand against you. He went toward this and everything else was wiped aside now. He said, you know what? I've got a duty. My friends are in trouble and I'm going to go and defend them. What an honor. What an opportunity to rise to the occasion. What an opportunity to rise above. It's so interesting. Even I was rebuked this morning, and I and I can I'm thankful that I can even acknowledge this. But I was walking, Tim. I was headed, I come in and I was walking down the hallway and I thought, ah, I better go set up the tables and chairs. (laughs) Tim and I had a conversation last night about six o'clock. And it was cold here, and um, I think maybe you guys had just pulled in, right? And I was leaving, and, and Tim said, yeah, we'll set up the tables. And I thought, oh, you know what? Um, I don't know. What did he remember? Because the, from 6 o'clock to the time he leaves at 8, there's two hours. I might have forgotten. So I had to admit, when I walked through there, I was thinking, oh, I better go set up the tables. Lo and behold, guess what? We have a man of integrity and honor. The tables were set up. The tables that you are going to enjoy lunch at in a few minutes, as soon as I can get through this. But I was just thinking about the fact that in the opportunity to honor a commitment, what does it mean for you? What does it look like for you in your walk with God to honor a commitment you you made even when it goes south, even when it turns sour, even when it no longer looks like, Lord, what have I got myself into? It's still an opportunity to um, to give praise to God, give worship to God, to walk whatever you can out in an honorable way. In a God-honoring way. So after an all-night march, I was thinking, so yes, back to these other nights. So then maybe the first night after you found out that somebody, the, the, the contract, the treaty, the negotiation you made with somebody, they're not going to honor their part of it. And you have an all-night march. You have an all-night to think about what happened. That first night... Darius, his long night when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. It says he didn't sleep, but he paced. Jacob, waiting to meet his brother Esau, after he sent everything across the river, it says he was alone, and an angel of the Lord wrestled with him all night. And that angel touched his hip. Jesus spent a night alone in the garden. Jesus spent another night, all night it says, he prayed and in the morning he calls his disciples to him and he picked the twelve. Joseph, after being sold into slavery, this marauding band of Ishmaelites were on their way to Egypt and his brothers had already thrown him in the pit, but they said, you know what, we had a better idea. Let's sell him to these Ishmaelites so his blood's not on our hands. I'm not sure how you rationalize that, but... They, the marauding band, they send them to the Ishmaelites. They take them to Egypt. What about that long night of travel for Joseph? He, he was bragging earlier that day about his coat of many colors, bragging about how the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to him, and he was telling them dreams. 
that night would have been a long night traveling. Paul and Silas singing in jail through the long night. And then at midnight, a visit from an angel. And it says the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors flew open and the chains fell off. Everybody's chains came loose. Paul was able to preach a little sermon. There was washing of Paul and Silas' wounds. And then there was a baptism of a jailer and his family in the middle of the night. So maybe you're in the middle of the night right now. And it's dark. And you can't see much ahead of you. Don't forget the promise of God. Don't be afraid of them. Whatever, And I know this particular place, them was the armies they're heading to, the five kings. I have given them into your hand. Sounds to me like a promise. God, I got myself into a situation here. I have to trust you. You said you would never leave me for, nor forsake me, even though at times I probably got off the journey. Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying in Acts chapter 12. And Peter was so comfortable being there in prison, he fell asleep, but everybody else is still up praying. And an angel appeared to him. And he was able to walk out of jail and go and knock on the door of the people that were praying, and they couldn't hardly believe it. So this idea of through the night, wow, it makes me want to stay awake more. Maybe there's a vigil. In Psalm 119, it says several places, Lord, I rose early because of your word. In the middle of the night at midnight, I rose to give you thanks. Where are you at with your nights? I remember there used to be a saying, that nothing good happens after midnight. Is that Was that it or was it 8 o'clock? <laughs> but nothing good happens after midnight. But maybe some of you are in, there's a, in Christian history, we have what's called the long, dark night of the soul. Where there's a season that it seems that Christians, and you can read about it in Scripture, that it seems to be God is very hard to find. Maybe nothing that you know of in your own life changed, but God seems to be very distant. And it's a long journey through a long night. Don't miss the privilege of the darkness. Don't miss the privilege of the trial and the test and whatever it is that you're going through. Because the next day when they get there in the morning and it's a surprise attack, God comes in thundering with, it says, hailstones came. And they were heat-seeking hailstones. And they, they made a distinction between the Israelite soldiers and the enemy soldiers. And then Joshua presses the attack. And then, amazing, something that never happened in the entire universe before, and it says never happened since. Joshua, and depending on which translation you're reading, it's almost like this, this prayer, is it a prophecy or is it a prayer that's squeezed out of him during the battle? Because he's supposed to press the attack and finish, and he sees that he needs more time. After these large hailstorms are hurled down on the enemy from the sky that God did, 
and more were killed by God than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On that day, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. We're going to have to quit in about a minute just as we wrap this up. But So you have a, a treaty that was brought about by deception. At least there wasn't the honest, full disclosure of information between the two parties. One party forgot to pray, entered into it maybe arrogantly. And then there's the invitation, come and rescue us. Do you have somebody in your life right now who you've made a pact with, made a treaty with, And God's asking you to love them through this, love them in this, defend them, protect them, fight for them. What might that look like for you? I know what it looks like for Joshua. It was an all-night march to show up on a surprise attack. The rest of the five kings, whether they knew about it or not, they didn't believe Joshua was coming. They didn't believe the Israelites would honor this contract they thought they could go and squash the Gibeonites and then God shows up now this will test your faith you could read about 12 to 15 different versions of what actually took place here if you're a science guy or a philosophy gal you can go and you can hear the different interpretations whatever did take place We have God who's the God of the impossible. We have God who's the creator of the earth. God, the creator of universes. God is in the heavens, Scripture says, and He does whatever He pleases. Somehow, through God's power, supernaturally, the day was lengthened and Joshua finished the job. Are you in a dark night right now? Do you need God to lengthen your day? Can you trust God to intervene in the battle you're facing or about to face? Will you trust God? Will we trust God? Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Why don't the team, why don't you come up as I close this in prayer? And we thank you for, God, all that you're doing and all that you have done and these stories that grip us. And God, help us to wrestle with your word. Help us to think deeply about these things. Help them to impact our lives in a day-to-day basis. It's so practical. It's so daily. Maybe we have someone right now we're thinking about that works on the other side of the building. And we used to be friends. And now we're enemies. Maybe it's somebody else who 
we work with or work for or somebody we are a neighbor to and there's been a breach of some sort, there's been some uh, whatever, we feel like we have a right to treat them differently. Let us know that Joshua honored you and you honored Joshua and you honored the Israelites and you defended the Gibeonites. And God, you are trustworthy to see us through the night. You are trustworthy to lengthen the day. You are the God in the gaps. You are the God in the beginnings and the God in the end and the God in the middle. And we're just thankful for your grace. In Jesus' precious name.